phone. I'm going to leave you all with a good night and a go blue. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. There. The planes we flew, good things we've been through. That I'll be standing right here talking to you about another path. I know we love to hit the road and laugh, but something told me that it wouldn't last. Had to switch up, look at things different, see the bigger picture. Those were the days, hard work forever pays. Now I see you in a better place. See you in a better place. Ah, uh, how can we not talk about family when family's all that we got? Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side And now you gon' be with me for the last ride It's been a long day Without you, my friend And I'll tell you all about it When I see you again, I see you again. We've come a long way, yeah, a long way. From where we began you know we started. Oh, I'll tell you all about it When I see you again Let me tell you Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I was discussing with Jim whether or not Blood Simple was the movie tonight at the Michigan Theater, but even if it's Kiss Me Deadly, those are both uh, very interesting film noirs. Blood Simple, by the way, is is the Coen Brothers' first movie. Yep. And I saw it when it came out and was just blown away by its uh, wry, twisted black humor. So uh, regardless, um, see either one of them, because Kiss Me Deadly is a legendary movie. Yep. Cult classic from the 1950s. Fabulous... uh, Dark comedy about nuclear proliferation, which has, of course, been in the news quite a bit lately. And uh, very interesting. Mike Hammer, I think, is the detective in that, right? Yeah, it's a Mike Hammer story. And uh, Ralph Meeker. Ralph Meeker. I was struggling to come up with the name there. Uh, In fact, this film is legendary for a couple of reasons, but this is one of those rare films that the studio wanted to tack on an ending that was even darker and bleaker mm. than the one the director went with. Sure. They disliked the characterization of Mike Hammer so much that they were like, kill him off. We don't want any more like this. So uh, the director, Robert Aldrich, who's famous for a number of great films, including Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, 
said, uh, well, thanks, but no, I like the way it's ending here. Um, very uh, unforgettable opening and uh, final scene in uh, that film. Yeah, and it uh, does show occasionally on Turner Movie Classics for good reason. It is a classic film noir. Anyway, uh, kind of an interesting week with, you know, obviously the Easter holidays have slowed some things down in Washington, which is uh, always a good thing. Obama uh, meets Fidel Castro face-to-face. The Pope uh, makes very... Talks turkey. Talks turkey, literally. Uh, Very provocative. Not provocative either, accurate. No, yeah, there's nothing really provocative about the Pope's comments. It's a statement of a historical fact. Historical fact. Every country has uh, dirty hands. Indeed, and I would even venture to, to, to observe that Turkey is one of maybe the only countries in the world right now where relations between the United States and Turkey have deteriorated a little bit. Somebody made a comment last week about Obama's foreign policy problems, and I thought, well, I don't see those. Um, Other than Benjamin Netanyahu, I think Obama's actually on a bit of a roll here, and this is, of course, usually what a president wants to be doing in his sixth year. Mm Mm-hmm like to point out that a Barack Obama is much more popular right now than either George W. Bush or Ronald Reagan were at this time in their presidency. Bush mired in Iraq. Ronald Reagan mired with the Iran-Contra scandal, among other problems. So I think that Obama has been on a bit of a roll. Very good reviews from the Latin summit regarding all of the discussions that went on there and interesting that fidel castro would uh openly praise an american president (laughs) and one thing that helps obama of course is that as he puts it i wasn't born when the embargo started against cuba and it's interesting and ironic that marco rubio would announce he's running for president today Uh, He has made some foolish statements in the past regarding foreign policy, in my opinion, sits on the Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, I would say his big uh, asset is that he's probably has the least baggage of any of these candidates at the moment. And that's probably what he means when he says he's uniquely qualified. Uniquely qualified. Yes, he's the young, fresh fellow, as somebody put it. The young... Less contemptible fresh fellow, because, of course, Ted Cruz is another youngish Republican. And interesting that there has now been a revelation that Ted Cruz has already raised $31 million in super PAC money uh, going around the uh, presidential campaign. So when do we start the Gray Matters super PAC? (laughs) There you go. Uh, Rubio may be running for re-election in Florida. Uh, I like to point out that he didn't even get 40% of the vote when he won the Senate seat back in uh, 2010. So he might be uh, sort of auditioning for vice president. And I would say that the big thing for him is does uh, square pants Jeb Bush get into the race? SpongeBob, square pants Jeb Bush. (laughs) Uh, Because obviously they tap into the same sort of donor base in the state of Florida. 
As for Hillary Clinton, uh, I think we can dismiss this fairly quickly. She's got a lot of assets going for her. Let's remember that she's pretty good in the debates. I thought she was actually the best debater in the 2008 primaries. She's very knowledgeable about policy. You're not going to trip her up. She doesn't really commit gaffes. Uh, she's got lots of money, big fundraising base, and of course her main asset is Bill Clinton. He's the rock star of uh, the United States uh, political arena, and uh, she's a woman. That's an asset. In some states, it's probably a liability, but I don't think the Democrats are going to win those states anyway. Pretty much. So I think, that, and I've always pointed out that with her, she just simply got outmaneuvered by Obama in the uh, the rules of the primary game. Obama gained lots of delegates in the caucuses, but she won most of the primaries. And while their vote totals were almost identical, she's no pushover. And she has plenty of experience. Also, I think she's aged well. <laughs> well, and, and on her, the baggage is all yeah. already known entities. And there's probably going to be people bringing up Whitewater again. But everybody's heard all about that. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's way in the past. So Way in the past. And there's also an element of the, of the kind of ganging up on her where she's going to be susceptible to late night te television talk and Saturday Night Live and that kind of stuff. But I've always said there's a hidden vote for H Hillary Clinton that's not measured well in polls. And those are Republican women that cross over. Indeed. And I've always called this the Edith Bunker factor. Mm -hmm. Archie, they're on the phone. Who are we voting for? <laughs> what do you mean, you dingbat? We're voting for Nixon. Tell him two votes for Nixon. And Edith Bunker answers the pollster and says, one vote for Nixon, one vote for McGovern. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, there's a secret element to Hillary's support that I think, uh, you know, I don't know that the Iraq war is going to work with her. And the baggage with her may, in fact, eventually become an asset. Uh, the problem that she's... They're going to pick on her so much, it's going to begin to make her seem the victim. The victim and, and, and sexism and ganging sexism, up. It's, it's all part of it, sort right? Of There's like, a reality hey, to that. This is getting old. Yeah. Uh, is that all you got? Right. And she's, I think, got <clears throat> thicker skin than she used to have. So she's aged well. I think she's just going to keep smiling, gloss it off, play this uh, role of the grandmother... Can't beat that. I don't know if she's going to bake any cookies for anybody, but... Uh, well, there was a famous cookie, yeah. cookie gate reference. Well, you know, she's in Iowa already, and, you know, God, here we are. It's April of 2015, and the presidential election is not for another year and a half. Yeah. But... Uh, but you got if you're going to run for president, you got to get going. You got to get going exactly, and it's better, I think, to do what she's doing, which is just a listening tour. Right. It's too early to start talking because people will get sick of it. Whatever the message is, you're going to have to hammer it, and you know, a zillion times between now and then, anyway. So, 
and she just did hearing the, people. Yeah, well, and she did that when she ran for the Senate in the state of New York. Uh, New York has lenient rules about residency, so that's how that happened. But, uh, you know, the only real blemish on her record that I regard as serious, because I don't think the Benghazi thing is going to go anywhere. Uh, it hasn't gone anywhere in the past. And to be quite frank with you, if the uh, Republican Party wants to investigate Benghazi, they ought to examine uh, the Ronald Reagan uh, bomb strikes on Benghazi in the mid-80s. This is how these extremist groups were created. This is how Libya effectively became uh, a tribal divided situation. And what's quite clear in the Benghazi cover-up is not Hillary Clinton's emails or State Department documents or whatever. It's, it's the role of the CIA there. Uh, and this outpost uh, apparently was uh, actually a CIA uh, operation more than uh, the government has admitted. It's interesting that just in today's uh, New York Times, this was a big study uh, that came out last night, the federal government is spending more than $150 billion on key anti-poverty programs. Uh, specifically Medicaid, temporary assistance for needy families, food stamps, and the earned income tax credit that are going to working people who don't make enough money to make ends meet. And this is going to be a big issue, and I'm a little unclear what the policy um, answers uh, that uh, the Republican candidates who have thus announced so far are proposing. I haven't heard them address any of uh, that issue at all. Well, I suspect we'll hear more and more about this as summer comes. It's been a sort of a summertime issue uh, the last two years now where fast food workers, some of the lowest paid and, and, and people who are prevented by their employers from actually ever even getting a 40-hour work week, people who are sort of stuck in a 20-hour work week, 30-hour work week because there just aren't any more hours available, and uh, the need for a living wage for these uh American citizens who have families. So uh, this is going to become a hotter issue as the summer heats up. And as for potential opponents for Hillary in the primary, I don't know. First of all, Elizabeth Warren has made it quite clear that she's not running for president, and I don't see many policy differences with her and Hillary Clinton to, anyway. Bernie Sanders has also been sort of mooted about, but that's unlikely. Well, he looks too much like a Muppet. <laughs> He'd be better brought on board, you know, in some advisory I, capacity. You know, yeah. Respect yeah. what he stands for, what he what he represents, what he's trying to do. Uh, he may be able to bring sort of the platform a little yeah. to the left. And um, Jim Webb is another kind of a little unknown X factor. He was the senator from Virginia for one term, but he served as secretary of the Navy under Reagan, and he's from Virginia. And Virginia, Florida, and Ohio are sort of emerging as the top key three states. And other than that, there aren't many states up for grabs. So this uh, Hillary Clinton announces that she's running for president. Yawn. <laughs> Pass me another Easter egg. <laughs> <clears throat> well, well, but we'll see lots of Bill. No doubt about that. And uh, 
Well, the skirmishing between the Republicans is going to be the, the most story. amusing yeah. part of it and the real story, because I don't think that there is going to be somebody stepping out from the Democratic Party to be a serious challenge, because it just seems like all the momentum is here for uh, a, you know, a second Democratic president in a row. Well, name recognition is part of it. And of course, throughout American history, just uh, to, you know, you study these cycles it's always been a sort of battle between change and continuity. Mm -hmm. And when you hear the Republican Party say, we need a change, that's what Jeb Bush was saying last week in some statements. I thought, what change? You're going to go back to George W. Bush's policies? What What are you proposing? H.W. Bush's policies? <laughs> well, that, that's that more be, continuity than change. That would be an improvement. Um, you know, I, I, I don't get it. And, of course, it's interesting that there are a number of candidates that are being investigated uh, by the Campaign Legal Center and Democracy 21 organization through the FCC claiming that Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, Rick so uh, Santorum, and Martin O'Malley are um, basically, you know, they have exploratory committees. They're raising money, but uh, there's some question marks about whether they're actual candidates or not. So stay tuned. Uh, what were your impressions of the Cuba story this last week? Well, I mean, it's it's you, you look at the way the rest of the world has uh, dealt with Cuban history for the last 60 years now, is it <laughs> about? And uh, it's just so bizarre to think that America has had this infantile obsession with crushing the political experiment in Cuba uh, that essentially utterly failed. Um you could call this one of the major failures of the Cold War uh, to destroy Cuba. Obviously, their economy, economy was crippled and limited in a number of important ways. But uh, this is just the beginning of normality uh, returning to the real world here in America. So it's hard to understand why people are still so hung up and shook up about this. Probably Rubio and others will make an attempt to... Uh, turn Fidel Castro's open praise for an American president for the first time in 60 years into, oh, well, that's proof that Obama is some sort of communist a bogeyman. A traitor. A traitor, right. Um, so it's just a little hard to uh, see it as anything other than, uh, really? Can't we just get real about this? Yeah, can't we move on? Can't we move on? <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know if the embargo is, is going to be fully lifted, but obviously there's been some profound easing up of some of the uh, strangulation against Cuba. And uh, I agree with you completely. The Cold War failure of the Cuban policy speaks for itself. Uh, and I think that it's absolutely ludicrous that Cuba is on a list of, quote, state-sponsored terrorism nations there's simply no evidence for that one of my favorite political cartoons uh from the early 80s and i forget the cartoonist i don't think it was her block but uh was one of the the all-time greats was a six-panel cartoon showing the incredible irony of the american-backed 
Maoist guerrillas, Jonas Savimbi's UNITA movement in uh, Namibia. Angola. Who, Angola, thank yeah. you. Who were attacking uh, American-owned oil bases with, that were bringing money into the economy there in Angola that had some socialist uh, presence in the uh, political leaders. And these American-owned uh, petroleum rigs were protected by communist Cuban soldiers who came over to help the people of Angola protect their natural resources from colonial. This is the most bizarre and convoluted. It's the perfect example of how moronic the Cold War was. Yeah. And so... Tremendous waste of money. Just incredible irony and stupidity compounded... Uh, it's hard to believe that, yeah, that how can Cuba be a uh, a terrorist nation when it's protecting American investments? And, of course, it's interesting. The, Ridiculous. The Clark Amendment, uh, which was uh, named after the senator from Iowa named Dick Clark, <laughs> not the uh, DJ. <laughs> American bandstand. Great guy. Um, that, was, that was basically prohibited the Ford administration from messing around in Angola. Uh, this is during a period of time in the 70s when, because of Senate and House investigations into the abuses of the CIA and FBI, uh, Congress was asserting more power constitutionally, mm -hmm. the War Powers Act, that kind of thing. And it's interesting how Reagan subsequently evaded the Clark Amendment and began supporting Jonas Savimbi. Uh, Angola, of course, uh, was one of the last uh, nations on the earth to be freed from colonialism. Indeed. Uh, these, this was a Portuguese, uh, <laughs> the last of the Portuguese empire, Mozambique and Angola. Fascinating stuff, but uh, Africa is one of those gigantic continents where there were, there were many more proxy wars than we, we realize. And many of the civil wars that are going on today, uh, in the in the on that continent and in the Middle East, are actually remnants of the yep. Cold War proxy wars. Uh, the Saudi-Iranian uh, competition going on in the Middle East right now is is indisputable, and continues. And uh, Yemen is a <laughs> yet another part of the broader Middle East. Uh, disaster that the neoconservatives' policies uh, pretty much have resulted in. Uh, it's Mesopotamia, according to John right. Stewart. How accurate. Well, and there's actually. That's spelled with two S's. Right. <laughs> uh, there's also been a recent call for further investigations into the uh, Saudi uh, involvement in the 9 11 attacks, which, of course, as we've talked about here numerous times, certainly deserves more scrutiny from our good allies there. And in a late-breaking story, according to Andy Borowitz of uh, The Funny Times, Jeb Bush resigns as George W. Bush's brother. <laughs> and the strongest sign to date that he intends to seek the 2016 Republican presidential nomination, Jeb Bush has officially resigned his position as George W. Bush's brother. Who? I have no brother. So, stay tuned for uh, divorce papers. 
Well, I find it unlikely that we'll ever have a President Jeb here in America. We've never had a President Ed or Mike either, but I don't think we'll have a Jeb anytime soon. It's odd that we haven't had a Mike because that's one of the most popular uh, male names in America. It's been like that for quite a while. And we have the British to thank for uh, taking up the, the name Edward. Yeah. <laughs> Eight of them. <laughs> the Edwardian age. And the last one abdicated. He was uh, kind of cozy with the Nazis. Right. <laughs> it's not as much to do with that American woman as the Hollywood interpretations would like you to believe. Yeah, they always covered that up a little bit, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> it's a little awkward. A little awkward. Um, well, I brought a couple of books with me here. I just want to comment briefly on the passing of two very notable authors. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, first of all, uh, American historian Stanley Cutler passed away over the weekend. And I think really everybody uh, in America owes this guy a debt of gratitude for being maybe the first guy, if not the first guy to seriously go through all the tapes to analyze, document, and sort of pull out the highlights of this complete debacle that was the Richard Nixon taping system. Yeah. These are incredible documents, historical documents, that uh, Nixon was going to use to make himself look like uh, one of the great... This guy Hunt knows too damn much. One of the great <laughs> thinkers in American <laughs> politics, and instead they turned out to be a, a sort of a sorry confession of petty crimes and... Chicanery. Well, chicanery and, and, and humor, too. There's so much humor in the Nixon tapes that when yeah. you read them closely, uh, you're struck by uh, not only that does Richard Nixon have this kind of diabolical streak to him, paranoid, power-hungry, power-crazy, enemies-less, um, you know, always demanding to see reports. Right. How, how, what are the responses to the speech in the media? It was a great speech. What are they saying? Yeah. What's the feedback? What's his reviews? On the speech and all that. And it's amusing to just listen and read some of the interaction between him and H.R. Haldeman because it's uh, kind of remarkable stuff. But even more hilarious are the Nixon Kissinger exchanges yep. that are both a, a mutual love fest. A, a kind of a reinforcement. Uh, oh, you're great. You're great. <laughs> you know, lots of blandishments, <clears throat> sycophancy, and uh, Kissinger is, is uh, ever ambitious. He's always uh, anxious to, uh, you know, perform the role of Metternich or <laughs> Cardinal Richelieu or, <laughs> or whoever. Uh he did have a, uh, a superior understanding of, of uh, European history than most. But uh, the, some of the stuff is, is just absolutely amazing. You know, the, 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 the madman theory discussion with, right. with, with Kissinger where <coughs> Nixon convinces Kissinger, make the North Vietnamese think that I'm an anti-communist crazy, that I'll do anything. I'll use the bomb. To, you know, enhance the negotiations. I mean, there's some stuff that's borderline it's 
pathological. It's pathological humor, though, <laughs> at some level. It really is. Well, on that note, uh, Stanley Cutler, in addition to you know editing such fine books as Abuse of Power, the excerpted tapes, mm-hmm. one of the best, maybe the best single volume history of Watergate is his A Brief History with Documents. Uh, edited by Stanley Cutler. But apparently he also worked for a number of years with uh, comedian Harry Shearer, famous for his voices on The Simpsons, uh, on a little program called Nixon's The One, which you can watch online. I found some episodes on YouTube, and they're basically just reenactments. Harry Shearer with a little face makeup is Nixon. He's got some young guy playing Haldeman. Not quite sure who it is playing Kissinger. It almost looks like Robin Williams, but I don't think it is. Uh, and they're just reading the excerpts as yeah. though they were were dialogue, and it is hysterical. Yes. Haldeman trying to explain how you can push this button to tape the phone, <clears throat> this button if you don't want to tape the phone, this button will tape the room, and Nixon's attempt to explain, well, this is what I wanted to do, and... They're not really communicating at all. It's... And Nixon had a problem with gadgets, as they say. <laughs> He's completely inept. He, he didn't like gadgets. His feet have a kind of a funny... Uh... Just tape everything, and then I'll tell you at the end of the month which ones to delete. Right. Just tape all the calls. Okay. <laughs> which proved to be his undoing uh, for a number of reasons. But, yeah, Cutler uh, you know, used the Freedom of Information Act as well as some of the acts of, by Congress regarding the preservation of the tapes to go through the tapes uh, very meticulously. This is still an ongoing mm-hmm. process, believe it or not. So many hours of tapes. And, of course, it's it's unfortunate that we don't have, uh, for instance, the Nixon meets Elvis <laughs> tape. The taping system had not been uh, installed yet, but I can assure you it is one of the most humorous things you will ever read if you read... Uh, Mark Feeney's Nixon at the Movies. He's got a specific chapter entitled Suspicious Minds, <laughs> which apparently was Elvis's last number one hit. It was indeed, yeah. Suspicious Minds. Um, regarding the humor of the Elvis meets Nixon <laughs> event that was designed by one of Haldeman's assistants to make Nixon more hip with the youngsters. <laughs> And it's very funny that Shows Elvis... how out of touch they were. <laughs> Elvis has all these incredibly mind-blowing things to say about drugs and the Beatles, of all things. <laughs> Who had, of course, already broken up by that point. <laughs> it's... He was out of touch, too. So it's two guys out of touch trying to get a little shine off of the other guy. Yeah, and for the record, Elvis basically wanted to get a, a federal badge so that he could carry a gun on a plane. This was basically... Yep. That's why he wanted to be a federal agent. What why, What he wanted. He, I want a badge. I want to be... A, that that might have been the pills talking. <laughs> I want to be deputized. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it is almost comical. And seeing the photographs of Nixon and Elvis, apparently there are about 28 of these in existence, is also mind-blowing because Elvis is wearing his... Uh, the Ve- It's the Vegas it's Elvis. the cape. It's got V-neck, the uh, mascara, and yeah. the wild jewelry. It's pretty wild, this guy. And Nixon says, "Boy, you dress kind of wild." <laughs> Elvis says, "You got your show, I got mine." That's right. Anyway, well, we'll we'll say something uh, next week about the passing of uh, great novelist Gunter Grass, uh, who also uh, died recently. So. All righty.
Uh, thanks to Andrew for engineering. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next on this fine station, WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.